0: Welcome to Platypod, the official podcast of the Committee for the Anthropology of Science, Technology, and Computing. Here, we host dialogues and conversations about the theories, tools, and social interactions that explore questions at the intersection of anthropology and science and technology studies. This bonus content is a reading from Platypus, the Castag blog. Enjoy! Dining with the Diaspora. American Digital Gattro Diplomacy by Ashley Tutel kang During my first semester of undergrad, I began my truly independent cooking journey, a path many have taken before me, but few survive. After weeks of failing to replicate one of my mother's simplest dishes, scrambled eggs with jasmine rice, I was devastated. Arriving home for winter break, I told her about my struggles. How I looked up many recipes online and tried making them all. Adding milk, sprinkling in cheese, whisking the eggs with a particular technique. Nothing seemed to replicate the correct taste or texture. The familiar experience of eggs was absent. She laughed at me and explained she made them Khmer style, to which I promptly replied, What's Khmer style? Half smirking and rolling her eyes, Matt explained that the scrambled eggs have fish sauce, green onions, and black pepper in them. Make sure you use the good fish sauce, okay? Either Three Crabs brand or the Squid brand. How did you not know this? Reflecting on the scrambled eggs incident across the years, I felt a bit estranged from and confused about my identity. As both Khmer and Vietnamese, and having grown up in the United States, I had a lot of questions about who I was and what I was eating. What was Khmer and Cambodian food anyways? Why are there so many crossovers of things I ate with my Vietnamese family? How do people just know that something is Khmer? Inevitably, these thoughts trickled into conversations with my family, as well as into my online searches. Digital food spaces. What people are eating, how they're eating it, and why they're eating it have been debated throughout time and space. With increased engagements with food, with different types and layers of technologies, online food discourse has expanded rapidly. Yet, people have been forming and joining online communities to share their ideas, experiences, and perspectives around food in multimodal ways for decades. I refer to these communities as digital food spaces, DFS, defining them as online communities and platforms dedicated to the sharing of food-centered media and ideas. I prefer DFS over the commonly used term of digital food platforms because of its broader framing. Many of these online communities have entire infrastructures, which imbue particular authorities and responsibilities to users, including founders, moderators, and anonymous members. I have had my fair share of anonymous lurking and inactivity within DFS I am a part of, and as a result, I prefer the flexibility. After all, being present in a digital community differs from being present in a non-digital one. DFS are spaces of cultural exchange and learning. It seems like for every niche food interest, there is a DFS looming somewhere on the internet. Scholars of digital food have examined these digitally captured worlds of food, noting their capacity to facilitate communities of users with shared interests into collective action. DFS allow for the demonstration of shared values among members, which can take many forms. For example, digital food activism. Where users engage with and critique different parts of the food system online, or digital gastrodiplomacy, where ideas of food and nationalism perpetually collide. Digital gastrodiplomacy. Long before the invention of online culinary cultures, food and cuisine had historical significance within diplomatic relations. Unlike culinary diplomacy, which involves the expansion of relations through cuisine and the eating habits of visiting ambassadors or public figures, Gastro-diplomacy is centered on generated ideas around the foods of a country. Gastro-diplomacy is often paired with nation branding, where governments allow themselves to build distinguishable personas, bring awareness, and express their democratic ideals in the global arena. As one scholar kindly explained to me, culinary diplomacy is governments towards other governments. Gastro-diplomacy is governments towards their people. Gastro diplomacy is important because national foods expand a country's opportunities for increased cultural acceptance with other nations and its own citizens. Although it can be difficult and reductionist to decide which foods can be considered national across populations, the benefits of sharing how many people of a country experience and relate to food are manifold. Breaking bread, sharing tea, and exchanging fruits and other sweets are just some of the ways that people have historically bonded with one another even in the absence of nation-states. But how does one translate this into the digital? How can governments or other culinary authorities communicate to their people what kinds of food are recognized as significant within a shared national identity? This is where DFS come to play. As relatively accessible arenas for discussion and learning, they are integral parts of intervention for gastro-diplomatic initiatives. Therefore, we can understand gastro-diplomacy specifically digital gastro-diplomacy, to be the collective tinkering of perceptions relating to unified ideas around a country's national foods within DFS. Unlike its non-digital form, in digital gastro-diplomacy, flows of power tend to shift and deviate. Authority on what foods are authentic or what dishes make up a part of a country's national foods expands to include more kinds of people. However, this does not dissolve the issues of overemphasizing the significance of certain foods over others within collective nationalist food narratives and visions. Through digital gastro-diplomacy, citizens and members of a diaspora are able to explore, share, and negotiate ideas of food from just about everywhere. As informal yet impactful shapers, DFS members have the potential to shift narratives and perspectives around different national cuisines one social media post at a time. They have become very important non-governmental actors within food discourse. Subsequently, concentration of knowledge and authority around national foods become dispersed, pixelated, and multidirectional. In comparison to non-digital gastrodiplomacy, digital gastrodiplomacy can be considered a grassroots approach. DFS members have relatively equal say and role in contributing what makes up national foods because of the fluidity of DFS in both structure and governance. From Boston-based aunties on Facebook with pictures of their pets as their avatar, to the hyper-stylized Instagram foodie influencers from Long Beach, the profile for gastronomic critics and commentators continues to grow. Khmai Style Capturing kmi In my explorations to connect with my kmi and its foods, I took to the internet. I joined several Facebook groups, perused Reddit, and lurked on relevant hashtags on Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr, and Twitter. I began scanning subtle Asian traits, SAT. A Facebook group started in 2018 that called itself one of the largest Asian communities with members from all around the world. Within SAT, I found many other subgroups I would classify as DFS, including subtle Asian cooking. However, after a few scrolls, I noticed that the posts were dominated by certain ethnicities and nationalities. At times, it felt as if Asianness was exclusively centered on Eastern Asian culture. This did not help me in my search for either Khmer or Cambodian food and cuisine, but it stirred up some negative feelings about gatekeeping authorities of Asianness. Eventually, I stumbled upon subtle Cambodian traits (SCT), an offshoot group of SAT, which claims to create connect the greater Khmer community from all walks of life. Observing that posts in the groups were exclusively in English or Khmer, I sense a decolonial edge permeating the space. No French posts. How interesting. Herein, I found a wide range of people from all around the globe who self-identified as Cambodian and or Khmer, They posted on a myriad of topics, interlinking these topics to both Cambodianness and khmer within the realms of understanding and experience. Food was just one component. Through groups like SCT, there are ample opportunities to gain unfiltered insights on Cambodian and Khmer food between nationals and members of the diaspora. Khmerican and Kambo cuisines. Curious about what constitutes Khmer and Cambodian cuisine among the diaspora, I asked members of SCT for recommendations for Khmer slash Cambodian restaurants in the United States and analyzed the recommended place's menus. After posting my question, I received 31 recommendations from 25 SCT members. 27 recommendations were for restaurants in the United States, three of them for pop-up slash mail-order food businesses, and one for a restaurant in Cambodia. 2 out of 31 recommendations were recommended more than once by SCT members. 8 out of 10 cities on the Pew Research Center's list of cities heavily populated by the Cambodian diaspora were represented. After collecting and analyzing the menus of each recommendation, I noted the overlaps in how each understood and marketed their cuisines. To these restaurants, real Khmer and Cambodian cuisine could be identified by Heavy use of fresh herbs, either atop of dishes or available on the side. Presence of fermented seafood products, like for example fish sauce, brahok and fish paste, and inclusion of a variety of soups, salads, and dipping sauces within the meal setup. Restaurants interlinked ideas of traditional, authentic, and special Khmer slash Cambodian dishes with the use of expensive slash rare ingredients, high preparational labor demands, or both. Restaurants also use Khmer script or romanization to label and reorient it commonly found Pan-Asian dishes, like fried rice, as specifically Khmer and Cambodian, on their menus. Comparatively, for highlighted traditional, authentic, and or special dishes, culinary points of reference were used. Descriptions would relate them to other nations' popular dishes. This allowed restaurants to, to show patrons who are not familiar with Khmer or Cambodian cuisines to easily explore within their own comfort levels the unique features of these cuisines. Through this, Camericans are constantly forming points of culinary knowledge, sharing among informing diplomats who may be community members or curious others. Such activities are further facilitated on DFS and other online communities, thus, expanding knowledge, interest, and engagement with Khmer and Cambodian cuisines through digital gastro diplomacy. Such efforts directly support the Cambodian Ministry of Foreign Affairs and International Cooperation and the National Institute of Diplomacy and International Relations 2020 initiative to incorporate food into their cultural diplomacy strategies through specifically gastro-diplomacy. They reflected that presently, Cambodia has yet to fully exploit this extraordinary opportunity for nation branding. Given that Cambodia's rates of general tourism are considerably lower than other Southeast Asian countries, is crucial for both cultural and economic reasons to garner interest among travelers. Governments such as Cambodia have much to gain from the development of astro diplomatic initiatives. Also, you should consult DFS throughout each step. Doing so would increase the success of such endeavors by forming dynamic nation branding, which is representative and considerate of as many people as possible. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any comments and feedback, feel free to share them with us on the blog. You can find the link to the post in the description of the episode.